Good morning. During this uh, season of Lent, we have been looking at streams, uh, practices and spiritual habits and exercises that flow out of the life of Jesus Christ. Now, this idea of streams, it's a very fitting metaphor. We can think of a large, large river with many different tributaries and offshoots and streams. They all flow in different directions. However, they all flow from the same source. Now, throughout church history, various streams, movements of the spirit, spiritual disciplines, lifestyles, habits um, were formed. Now, each stream with its practice and with its thoughts would highlight a certain aspect of the life of Jesus. However, all these streams have one source, and that source is Jesus, the river is Jesus. So, what have we covered so far? We've covered the contemplative stream, cultivating a prayer-saturated life, the holiness stream, the pursuit of a, a virtuous life, the charismatic stream, um, developing a spirit-dependent life, then also the social justice stream with its focus on the compassionate life. And then last week, the evangelical stream, a life grounded in the word. If you allow me to introduce another metaphor here, I, I like the I, the picture of a of the example of a piano, a piano, one keyboard with many many keys. Each street church stream, each tradition touches certain keys on the piano. Each stream plays certain songs and melodies and, and also tunes. Each stream reads scripture in and with its own accent. And each stream lands on certain Bible verses that it treasures and that it emphasizes. And each stream over time develops, develops its own culture and ethos. However, each stream, each stream plays on the same keyboard, on the same piano. The key to remember here is balance, and that's one reason why we did this, this series of messages in Lent. Balance is the key. Each tune, each stream has merit, it has value. This morning, uh, we're looking at the incarnational stream, a God-with-us life in the ordinary and everyday moments, the incarnational stream. Our text is Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. And before I read that passage, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Dear Father, once again, we thank you for your word. Your word is life. And Father, as we often say, we pray now that you will give us ears to hear what your spirit would want to say to your church. In your name we pray. Amen. We're looking at Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. The ruler of the synagogue, 
indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not in the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath day untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. God's reading for us this morning. In this passage, we're confronted with the age-old division between work and faith. In our story, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and as he's teaching, a woman comes in who has a deformity, a disease, an 18-year deformity caused by an evil spirit. Jesus sees her. He calls her to himself and says, Woman, you are freed from your disability, and immediately she is healed, and she's made straight. Jesus did exactly what he was called to do back in chapter 4, his very first sermon in the synagogue, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to set at liberty those who were oppressed. While the woman couldn't keep silent, we read in our text, she glorified God. And there's nothing silent or quiet about her words or her actions here. We don't want to miss this point. We don't want this to escape us. She glorified God. A woman deformed for 18 years. Interesting note that that, uh, Dr. Luke had to share with us. 18 years, an deformity, a sickness, a disease, now mostly leaping and praising God. Powerful. What a picture that would have been for us if we'd been there in person. But there's always someone who will reign on your parade. The ruler of the synagogue was indignant, and he wanted to regain control of the synagogue. He reminded worshipers that the law, as he understood it and as he taught it, that that the law, what it could do, what you were allowed to do through the week, but not on the Sabbath. Healing was work in his book. Jesus rebukes him and all those that were with him and fought like him, and he calls them hypocrites, a very, very strong word. He says, and I paraphrase, you two-faced legalists. (laughs) He says, you water your animals on the Sabbath day, mercy me. Here is a, a daughter of Abraham. Isn't she more important than an animal? Now, what's the point of the story? What's What's Jesus getting at? Well, one answer is that Jesus is restoring the meaning of the Sabbath. The Jewish tradition had added many, many restrictions, additional restrictions and interpretations to God's original command in the Old Testament concerning the Sabbath. And now in Jesus' day, the Sabbath and all its restrictions were becoming very burdensome almost impossible to keep, and very, very legalistic here. Jesus reclaims the God-given purpose of the Sabbath. And what he says is, this day was intended to benefit people. 
It was a day given to enhance life, a day of spiritual renewal, mental, physical restoration in life. This is one reason or lesson behind the story, and it's a very important one. And perhaps Pastor Ryan and myself, perhaps one day we'll pick up this theme a little bit more with the question, how do we as believers today, and it's a good question, how do we keep Sabbath? Again, a future sermon sometime, no doubt. But there's more to this story. The second answer to the question, what's the point of the story, is for, and our theme today, is that Jesus sees no distinction between work and faith, between the sacred and the secular. All of life is sacred. Acts of mercy are 24-7. Life and faith are 24-7. God is present in the here and now 24-7. Obviously, the synagogue crowd didn't see God in their midst. It's not even sure the woman understood the situation. Jesus took the initiative here in the healing, but Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, was there in their midst. The incarnational stream stresses the God with us in the ordinary and extra uh, everyday moments of life. Now, one of the key verses for the stream is John 1, verse 14. And the Word, Jesus himself, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the words dwelt among us, in the Greek language has this thought of tent or tabernacle. And now for the Jewish reader, that, that would remind them of the Old Testament, how God would dwell with his people in the tabernacle, with them in the tent, the tabernacle. Now in the incarnation of Jesus, God dwells and lives among men. And this is very, very important. Now Jesus, God with us, makes the reality of God visible in the ordinary and everyday moments of life. What does this look like for Jesus? Well, he worked in a carpentry shop. He traveled with his disciples on foot. He sailed with his disciples on boat. He fished with his disciples. He cooked breakfast for his disciples. He ate with his disciples. Um, he was God with them in the ordinary. He treated people with respect and dignity as well. He showed mercy to the poor and afflicted. He gave women respect and worth. He placed children on his lap and blessed them. Again, God in the ordinary. When it came to justice issues, he spoke truth into falsehood. He rebuked legalists. He admonished the proud. He had no tolerance, no tolerance for, for hypocrisy, favoritism, or prejudice. He spoke grace to sinners, but often would say, go now and sin no more. People loved him because they saw that he loved them. And word and deed, Jesus made the reality of God visible in the everyday moments of life. Wherever he found himself, whomever he was speaking to, 
he took the opportunity to make visible the character of God, the character of a God. Often people had no idea who, who, who he was. God had moved into their neighborhood and they were not even aware of his presence until they saw his deeds and they heard him speak. And the impact, the impact was powerful. Now here's a profound truth. Believers in Christ are filled with the Holy Spirit. God himself. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The incarnational stream holds that we, believers in Christ, make the reality of God visible in the everyday, ordinary moments of life. We are God's hands and feet of mercy in this world. We are God's voice of justice in a broken world. We make God visible, so profound. Wherever we go, God is present. Wherever we are, God is present. Now, where does this take place? It takes place in the home in our marriages and families. It takes place in the workplace, in our vocations. It takes place in society at large. Theologians and pastors like to to call this thought the seamless garment of life. One drops such distinctions as spirit matter, sacred secular, faith work, body, soul and body, religious, and worldly. Life is a unit, a whole, a seamless garment. When it comes to our spirituality, we easily compartmentalize our faith, don't we? We know God cares about the eternal and about spiritual matters like reading the Bible and prayer and missions and giving alms to the poor. But what about the temporal? And what what about physical matters? How about the mundane parts of life, like changing diapers, mowing the lawn, washing the car, paying the rent or the mortgage, conversing in the break room, enjoying a hobby or playing chess? The incarnational stream lives 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all, all, 24-7, all to the glory of God. The stream also lives Colossians 3.17, very similar to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this sacred secular divide is wide in American culture. It's wide in American Christianity, too. Isn't conducting a prayer meeting or another church activity more spiritual, more spiritual than playing with the children or preparing a meal, a family meal? Or are these interruptions or disruptions to what is really spiritual? Isn't a work position in church more spiritual than work 
at the law firm or a pharmacy? Well, we would say, Pastor Ryan, myself, New City, we would say, no, not really. Aren't we all full-time Christians wherever God has placed us? Whatever vocation God has given us? The incarnational stream uh, says that we're to make God visible in all of life, in every station of life, whether we are a maid, um, a dishwasher, whether we are a plumber, a teacher, or a pastor, we are to blossom. All of us are to blossom where the sovereign Lord has placed us. Just a side note on interruptions. C.S. Lewis writes, the great thing here, and it's very profound, he writes this in They Stand Together, the letters of C.S. Lewis to author Greaves great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, the life God is sending one day by day. What one calls one's real life is a phantom of one's own imagination. Staying home with a sick child. Helping a co-worker after work who's asking for help. Answering the door while writing a sermon, which happened to me this week. Interruptions? Interruptions? Or are they the real life the Sovereign Lord is giving and sending us today? All of life is sacred. The challenge is to be godlike, to be godly, to be incarnational in those moments in all of life. Back to our Bible text. Since the ruler of the synagogue had an erroneous interpretation of the Bible and he held to that, he missed out on the grace of God. Since he thought that God could only work in a certain way and only on certain days, He missed out on the joy and the celebration of renewed life. We don't want to miss this thought. Do we at times miss out on the joy God intends for us to have by missing opportunities to be God with us in the ordinary moments of life? In our thinking, in our thinking, in our actions, is God with us Monday, Friday, Monday through Saturday, as he is with us on Sunday worship? Do I see interruptions as an opportunity to be incarnational for the Lord? When I'm talking to a coworker or a neighbor, do I realize I'm making the reality of God visible to that person at that very moment through my words and through my actions? Incarnational living brings us joy. Why? Because God, God's presence makes a difference. And in Christ, we can make a difference. Like the woman and so many other people in the story, when we see God working in the ordinary, everyday life situations, we can rejoice and glorify the Father. God with us. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you again, Father, that 
that you and your grace, that you are so awesome and good to us, that you that you have redeemed us by your grace, that we have have become your children, that we are part of your family. But it's not just just not salvation so we can have eternal life with you someday, but now, in the here and now, at this very moment, we are children and we represent you, God with us, right now, right here, in the here and now. And so we pray, Lord, use us. Remind us of who we are, wherever we are, at the store, at school, or even as we're home now through this coronavirus, Father. Wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, Father, may we remember that that God with us, the incarnational stream, you are here now in the ordinary. And so, Lord, thank you for your presence. And we know when you are present, when your spirit is present, there is joy and there's power and there's grace. And so use us. Use us. Work in us. Use us and work through us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, New City, uh, it's good to uh, worship together. Uh, Thank you, Andy, for your words about just remembering our faith is, especially in this time of uncertainty, our, our faith really does intersect with all of life. And it's, it's good to remember that. Um, and, and so as we, we go out this week, wherever we are, if we're just at home and um, most of us are, uh, it's an opportunity to, to, to demonstrate who God is uh, in our lives. And I uh, wanted to remind our community uh, just during these kind of uncertain times, and obviously we're not gathering on Sundays, is just to continually to faithfully live. Um, and you can give online. Um, you can uh, write a check to the church. You can drop it off at the church office, and our deacons will, will make sure to uh, ch- pick that up for you. Uh, so just continue to do that as you are able. We know this is a strange time, and, and our rhythms are thrown off, and Sundays aren't happening like normal. But I just want to encourage you guys, as, a, as an act of worship, just to continue to give uh, to the church uh, family. A couple other things before we, we wrap up our time here uh, is one is we're going to be doing a kind of a, a short, abbreviated Good Friday message uh, this week, uh, we're going to be doing it, uh, launching it probably Wednesday. Uh, instead of our midweek uh, study, we're going to have a little short uh, Good Friday meditation. And then we're also going to have uh, our kids director, Leslie Vance, has put something together for the kids with that as well. Uh, so check that out and we'll share all the links uh, with that. Your your fam- whole family can be involved in that. There's some singing on there with the kids and a short little story that, that Leslie's going to read um, as well. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that. And uh, just another way to kind of connect and remember Holy Week is coming that Jesus uh, died a horrendous death for our sins and uh, and so that we could come back to the Father. Um, and then three days later, he rose victoriously from the dead. And so we'll be gathering on Sunday uh, as we have been uh, and have our Easter service. Now, again, I would much rather be in person uh, doing that. Uh, but we will gather at 10 a.m. on next Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Christ uh, where our true hope is found. Now, as this week is coming, uh, Monday, uh, looking at Holy Week, uh, we are uh, presenting a challenge to the church uh, called Jesus Changed My Life. And it's a, a way that we can reach out to our friends, our family, our, our neighbors, our loved ones. And uh, we're challenging the church. Uh, and there's actually a lot of churches that are going to participate in this is to do a one to two minute video testimony of simply saying how Jesus changed your life and sending that out um, on social media to friends and family and just saying, hey, this is what Jesus means uh, to me. And I think that would be a great opportunity for us as we move towards 
Resurrection Sunday to, to celebrate the realities of God's grace in our lives and what he's done for us. And so we, we'll have some more information on, on how to do that. Um, but all you really need is just your cell phone is just shoot a quick one minute to two minute video just saying this is what Jesus means to me and sending that out. And we'll, we'll be pointing people to our services to say, hey, if you want to learn more about what our hope is and, and where it's found, uh, we can do that together. So I think it's just an, a great opportunity for us as people are scrolling their, their Facebook feeds and their Instagram feeds uh, at home. Uh, what an opportunity we have to, to share the good news of, of Christ with our friends and our, and our neighbors. And so as we, we leave uh, uh, this gathering this morning, I just want to leave you with just the, the realities. I love what Andy talked about, just our faith intersecting in all of life, but to know that God's grace and God's peace and God's presence uh, goes with you uh, this week, wherever you are. And uh, I will see you guys real, real soon.